Rise, rise, rise. Welcome to Rise of RevOps. Today, we're bringing you straight to a live interview at Dreamforce, where Robert Zimmerman, CRO of Qualified, interviews Seyma Rashid, Senior Vice President of Revenue Analytics at Sixth Sense. Seyma says that data helps us make our best, most informed decisions. She also describes which AI tools she uses to drive digital transformation and efficiency. Now, let's head to Dreamforce. Rise of RevOps is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified's Pipeline Cloud is the future of pipeline generation for revenue teams that use Salesforce. Learn more about the Pipeline Cloud on Qualified.com. It is wonderful to have you here, Simon. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us today. So excited to be here. It's a conversation I'm very excited about. Well, one of the things as I was looking at your background and um, really excited to hear about your journey But one of the things I really wanted to understand was tell us a little bit how you arrived into the role that you're in. One of the things you and I were talking about was data and the importance of analytics. And how do you think about that today? And what brought you to the role that you're currently in at Sixth Sense? Yeah, it's a great question because, um, and I'm dating myself, but when I went to school, there was no RevOps, there was no operations function, really, even that, you know, you studied for or work towards. Um, so I grew up in the world of data. I grew up in a world where we were, um, believe it or not, companies didn't have their own analytics teams. So my first job out of college was actually for a consulting company that served as the analytics team for great big companies, Fortune 1000 companies. Right. They would give us the data, nightly feeds, and then we would do analysis and, you know, help them make sense of it. And so great experience, first 10 years of working with all types of data, B2B, B2C, and really developing an understanding of identifying trends, but most importantly, taking insights out of the data and driving action with it. And so I feel my career since then has really just built upon that. How do we take the data to optimize processes? How do we take data and use it to drive better decisions? So in the role that I am now at Sixth Sense, I'm Senior Vice President of Revenue Analytics. And I feel like I'm an accidental marketer because it all starts with the data and it's really letting that inform what marketing strategies should we be putting our money in and investing in and how do we quickly understand um, is it working and do we continue to do it or do we pivot? And, and so I'm, I'm a big believer in data to drive insights. Let's rely less on the gut. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, technology and just the automation and the AI that we have now to synthesize the data has only made our jobs easier. Well, one of the things we were talking about before we got on stage was that RevOps has changed fundamentally over the last six to eight years. And I realize you've had the RevOps function before. You're much more focused on the marketing ops function at Sixth Sense today. And one of the things we talked about was maturity of an organization. Can you tell me a little bit more about sort of what is the definition of RevOps to you today? And how should companies think about this as they mature? Yeah. So to me, when I hear RevOps, I think of two things. I think of alignment and integration, right? So really what the goal of RevOps is to accelerate business growth through the alignment and integration of your marketing sales and customer success functions. That can look very different across different orgs, right? It depends on the maturity of those ops functions within organizations. It depends on the organizational readiness as well. I think early on in the RevOps um, 
world, it was all about let's bring those teams together under one chief revenue officer. And that was the only way. But I've been in companies where the marketing operations team might have a higher level of maturity than some of the other functions, or the metrics are so different, or maybe enablement isn't pulled in. Um, In some cases, the annual planning process sits outside in a corporate function as opposed to in a field strategy and planning organization. So I think there's different flavors of it, and and it really depends on the company, the structure, what's in place, and the organizational readiness. But it all goes back to alignment and integrations, whether it's all one team or whether there's just an interlock and a cadence that those teams work towards. I like I like the way you're thinking about that. Now, let's uh, let's talk a little more about Six Sense and where you are today. I understand that they recruited you to to come over. Um, tell me a little bit about Six Sense. What does Six Sense do, and how have you organized the revenue function, or how is it organized in the marketing operations function that you? that you uh, lead and the analytics function that you lead? Yeah. So Sixth Sense was born um, out of a very simple question. If we only knew which accounts were more likely to buy from us, wouldn't it make our jobs so much easier as sellers and marketers? And that's the question really that Sixth Sense is um, answering every day. It uses the power of big data, machine learning to look at the signals that are out there, right? Every seller, every marketer is trying to find that needle in the haystack we make that haystack a lot smaller. It is really the lifeblood of our operations teams, of the, our go-to-market motion. Nothing uh, nothing goes live unless it's gone through Sixth Sense, which when I was a customer of Sixth Sense for five years, I didn't under, I didn't believe it. I didn't know it. And now that I run Sixth Sense for Sixth Sense, uh, I can absolutely say that. Um, every marketing campaign, every sales motion, even prep before a meeting, starts with the Sixth Sense platform. And so um, it's great to be in a company that's so operationally minded and data-driven and really values the power of the data. And so our um, our RevOps org today includes enablement, sales ops, customer success operations. Marketing ops sits outside um, and reports into the marketing function, and it includes the BDRs and BDR operations. In this particular case, you've got the BDR and the BDR operations but that isn't consistent with every company. Tell me a little bit about why that decision was made and why it's so important uh, for Sixth Sense in terms of the leading that organization today. Yeah, um, I think there's been studies, you know, of should BDR sit in the marketing org and the sales org. I think as long as there's clarity of career path for BDRs, meaning they can they have a path towards moving into an AE role. There's really close alignment between sales and marketing. Um, it, it's really fine. I, I actually think our BDRs thrive because they are part of the marketing org. We control that quality of what we're providing them in terms of hot accounts. You know, we don't live in an MQL world at Sixth Sense. We, we believe that we sell enterprise software to complex buying groups and there's no one person making that decision. And so really making sure that our BDRs are leveraging the data, the insights, they have a voice in terms of the quality of what is passed to them. They have a voice in terms of how they're going to attack an account and leverage the Sixth Sense insights to inform it. Um, it's been phenomenal. And we have great kind of career paths for our BDRs. They, they very quickly are moving into AE roles within the organization. And so it doesn't really matter that they sit in the marketing org. I think they benefit from, from that closeness to the top of the funnel, but then they have great career paths beyond into sales. 
I do believe that the BDR team is really the lifeblood of an organization as well. When, as I think about the sales organization that we have at Qualified, we definitely go into those ranks to pull people up into our selling and our closing organization. Um, one of the, the actually, thing- can I pause right there? Absolutely. I, I look at the data. Um, some of our best performing AEs, in fact, hands down, some of our best performing AEs are the ones that grew through the ranks um, on the BDR. So it's it's just been phenomenal for us. And there you go, you're back to data supporting some of these decisions, which is great to see. Um, As I reflect back on the last six months, it has been a challenging time through Q1. I feel like Q2, we're starting to see a little bit of that sunshine and the the light at the end of this this tunnel. Um, As you reflect back, what's the hardest sort of problem that you have had to deal with over the sort of last six months within marketing operations? I would say it's it's a lot of what you just mentioned, right? There's the macroeconomic conditions. It's it's taking longer to close deals. It's harder to close deals. And so um, at the beginning of the year, I actually ran a webinar uh, that was titled Ideas Are Easy, But Execution Is Everything. And so we really adopted that mindset of we can't control external forces, but what we can control is our execution internally. Let's execute to perfection. Let's plug all the leakages that are in our revenue funnel. Let's figure out what's working. Let's drive consistency in our approach. And and that's very much what we've doubled down on. And I think we've really yielded some great results. Um, We've optimized processes on the BDR side, on the clarity of that handoff between BDRs and AEs, on the exit criteria of moving deals um, through the funnel. It's been pretty phenomenal. So we've kind of just looked inwards to really optimize execution and then, you know, control what we can control. With that in mind, what was a decision that you made that you really hit the mark, that it was a great decision to make? Um, And then conversely, I'd love for for you to share what mistake was made for others who are out there that might be thinking about the very similar things? What would you say, okay, be careful with this, avoid this? I actually don't think of the mistakes as mistakes. And I'll tell you why, because we very quickly iterate. So if you're going to fail, let's fail very fast and let's optimize accordingly. So we actually look at our data. We have our CMO and our CRO in the room every two weeks. And we run a bi-weekly pipeline meeting that was instrumented um, early last year. And that's probably the best thing that we've done because what it does is you have transparency of the data. Nobody's questioning where we stand, how we're performing against our goals. But you have enough seniority in the room and you have a, a cadence that everyone is expecting where we can look at the data and very quickly determine, is there a problem at the top of the funnel? Meaning, are we not generating enough demand? Is it that things are getting stuck mid-funnel and we need to either re-enable reps or is there an issue at the bottom of the funnel where we might need to run a SWIFT or something? But having that cadence has allowed us to just make those quick decisions. And because we're meeting again in two weeks, we will run specific actions and plays and regroup in two weeks and see what we were able to do. So I think just taking the data beyond just the information and really driving insights to action has been the biggest thing for us. And so operationally, there's tons of things we've done, right? We've tightened our inspection criteria. We've revamped our SLAs. We have um, set up scorecards so that no rep is in the dark about their performance, right? I'm a firm believer that um, sunlight is the best disinfectant. Mm -hmm. And so let's just Let's not hide behind, you know, locked down dashboards or reports. Let's give every one a view of where things stand, and then that will drive the right actions. And so, 
Yeah, transparency is one of those key things that I think whether you're a BDR, whether you're a rep, whether you're on their marketing team, if you know what you're accountable for and you're held to that, that is a lot of what people are being asked for and that's what they want to see in their career in terms of career advancement. They want to know what is expected and what do I need to do. Now, turning a little bit to what we call affectionately the tool shed, what, what tooling uh, do you have? What software tools, what dashboards are important? Let's walk me through how you've set up your organization. Sixth Sense is at the center of everything we of do. Course. I mentioned it. Uh, it starts very much at the top of the funnel and making sure that we are all, as a revenue organization, looking at that same pool of accounts. There's not a sales list. There's not a marketing list. There is one ICP that we are really trying to penetrate as one revenue team. And then using that to drive the handoff to sales, using that to drive all of kind of where we're going to focus in term our campaigns on, where we're going to focus outbound efforts, um, where we are penetrating well and where we're not so that we can, again, re- you know, take a look every two weeks and see what specific actions we need to take. So Six Sense is the lifeblood. Um, and then, of course, we execute in our marketing automation system. Marketo, Salesforce truly is the source of truth for a lot of our dashboards. Um, I say that because the best data and dashboards are the ones that get used. Mm-hmm. Nobody's data is perfect. There's always a maybe you know a more advanced way you can do something in, a, in an external system. But I need my sellers and my marketers and my CS team to be looking at the data and consuming it. And Salesforce is the place that they all live. And so our single source of truth for pipeline dash um, and revenue lives in Salesforce. It is open to anyone in the company. And every number, most importantly, is put into context versus a goal versus a historical trend versus what good looks like. So anyone who's looking at the dashboard can very quickly see, are we trending well? Yes or no. If not for that bottom line, are we trending well for the leading indicators before that? Is our conversion rate up or down? You could double your conversion rate, but if it takes twice as long to get there, you haven't changed a thing, right? So volume, velocity, conversions, all of those key metrics for our revenue pipeline and the leading indicators to that are open in one place for everyone to go um, take a look. And that is actually the dashboard that we use to drive that biweekly pipeline meeting that I spoke about. So everybody's using the same access to the same data. You're talking about the same information. It sounds like you've got a pretty good partnership between the sales and the the marketing organizations in place. One team. And and in fact, actually to that point, um, there's one pipeline goal. We don't report on marketing sourced versus sales sourced. If there's a, it doesn't matter, right? Who's sourcing the deal. We can, I can look at it by channel. I can see what inbound is generating, what outbound is generating, what field marketing and our ABX team is generating. But the goals are the one pipeline goal. What is going to get us to our company bookings number that we want to hit? And that's the number that we look at. Turning to your sales and marketing organizations, we spoke briefly about this hybrid world that we're living in. How have you thought about setting up the organization? Where, where do your salespeople live? Where do your marketing people live? Are you in office? Are you hybrid? What does that look like? We have our headquarters in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We have an office in Austin, Texas, and an office in New York. Um, so there are uh, teams that you know live in those areas and are in the office, but it's not mandated, um, except that we have brought um, an initiative forward to bring our BDRs into, into office. You mentioned they're the lifeblood of the org. I think there's so much learning 
to be had when you're all in one area. And so our BDRs are in one of those three hubs Mm -hmm. and, you know, they are in the office at least three days a week. And just that motion of being in running, you know, call blitzes, having learning and debriefs on how, you know, objections and, and all of those sorts of things have really driven improved performance in how our outbound team works and um, has allowed us to further refine some of the SLAs and the response time and just the quality of what that team is producing and, and doing day in and day out. So we have a remote first culture, but we do have our BDRs in the office. I feel like you've got a really good handle on the analytics within the six sense business. Um, are there blind spots that you wish you had data on? Are there areas that you still today are saying, okay, we need to examine that a little more. Nobody's data is perfect. And I think as somebody who's built and led analytics teams for 17 years, um, nobody will achieve perfection. I think consistency of measurement, single source of truth is number one, the biggest thing. But there's always blind spots, right? I would love to know exactly what you know, have attribution down to, you know, every single touch point, I will never get it. So it's about understanding that there is some ambiguity, there's no silver bullet. So when you are looking at the data that you have, you're putting it into that context, right? Um, Attribution tools, you know, can get you to a certain place, but they're not going to get you to that full view. Um, Similarly, you know, who is that full buying group? I mentioned that, you know, we sell to accounts and people within those accounts our reps might not put every single contact on that deal, right? But I know the data tells me that our win rates double when we have at least at least six people on a deal. Mm-hmm. I know generally what those six personas are. And so I do use that to inform where the sellers go, where the marketers focus their campaigns on. But I'm sure there's more than that, right? There's plenty of folks that I might not see. So there are gaps. Everyone has gaps, but we really try and plug them where we can through automation, to, through using technology to fill those gaps, but always just understanding that the data is not perfect. And so we will use what we have to drive the best informed decisions that we can make. Is there anything that is new um, that you're doing or using that you can't live without now? How long did it take us to get to the AI conversation? I feel it's been such a hot topic at Dreamforce and, you know, at every conference I've been in in the last six months. Um, Generative AI is very exciting. I think in particular for operations teams and I think in particular for marketing operations, um, there's just a um, a speed at which we can do things and a um, quality of which we can iterate on that wasn't there before. So we have our own generative AI product, um, conversational email that's allowed us to automate a lot of some of uh, the things that the BDRs were doing manually, things like webinar follow-ups, you know, things like um, reaching out, making sure that there's no qualified account that gets lost left behind because a rep didn't have capacity to go work it. So generative AI in terms of building cadences and building campaigns and making sure we've got the right messaging in place, but also using our um, AI assistance to augment what the sellers are doing. It's been game changing. It's just allowed us to penetrate our ICP in a much more effective fashion, take some of the work off of our BDRs, Um, that maybe wasn't as interesting for them or maybe took away from their really core areas of focus. And so I think I'm I'm very excited about what AI can bring to operations functions. And I firmly believe that 
ops's role is really to drive the digital transformation of the go-to-market teams. And so we're really well positioned to continue to capitalize on it. I love that. Um, in terms of forward-looking, uh, any particular initiatives or anything that's sort of taking a lot of your focus and time right now as you think about next fiscal year? Yeah, it's all about... Um, I mentioned this, right? Executing to perfection. And so one of the big things that has been um, an ongoing thing for us is just understanding what good looks like. Uh, it's not the easiest question to answer, right? What's working at each part of that funnel? There was a BCG report that came out earlier this year where um, they quantified that sales and marketing teams are collectively leaving $2 trillion annually on the table through wastage of throughout that go-to-market motion, missed opportunities, mistimed opportunities, focusing on the wrong accounts, um, process leakage, right? And so that's like a big part of what we want to be solving for. And so we run a lot of analyses on close one deals mm -hmm. and how a close one deal this quarter looks different from last quarter or last year. I mentioned this, right? It's taking more people on yep. a deal to win. It's taking longer. So let's look at what did work. And let's just do more of that. And so we, we're really doubling down on the campaigns, the channels, the messaging, the specific tactics that we see show up again and again on our close one deals. And then we're building upon those, expanding their reach, maybe verticalizing them. And then we're also providing that insight, not just to sales, but also to CS because upsell you know, it, retaining the customers you have, providing them with a phenomenal experience, helping them drive adoption within uh, their organizations. We want all of that to be happening more and more. And so let's have the data inform that. Well, I want to say that in listening to you, I am firmly of the belief that you run a world-class analytics and marketing ops operation. Um, interested part of this segment, which is sort of quick hits. Yeah. And so... Um, Let's run through this pretty quickly. All right. If you could make any animal any size, what animal would it be? I would make all the creepy crawlies microscopic so I don't have to see them and I don't have to be freaked out by them. 100%. <laughs> What's your, where is your favorite vacation? Um, so I have two children. They are um, at that age where, you know, they're in middle school and high school. And so it's just a lot of fun to travel with them. It's easier to travel with them. And so... I think uh, this past summer, we spent some time in Scotland and the UK. Um, my favorite vacation with them most recently was Granada, Spain. It right. was just such a unique area, such a beautiful um, architecture and palaces. And, and I, I just think we had a great time there. So I would say right. Alhambra in Granada, Spain was nice. my favorite recent. All right. Best concert attended. Oh, I've been to so many. Um, I'm an 80s baby. So, um, Rolling Stones, ACDC, U2. Love ACDC. Um, you know, and then uh, I think recently I went to a Killers concert. So, anything. I have to t find out a way to take my 12-year-old to Taylor Swift, though. <laughs> I'll be a hero if I do that. I think you will be. Um, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Um, being able to revisit... Uh, and go back to moments that were really special. Um, I, I say this to my kids all the time. I'm like, take a picture with your heart. Like, this is a really special thing. Like, just be present in the moment. And I feel like with the speed of the way things are going, we tend to lose things in that shuffle. So being able to go back mm -hmm. um, and relive what so are time memories. Travel. Yeah. Okay. And then 
What advice would you have for somebody who is newly leading a revenue operations role or function? It's a great question. Um, And we have great folks on our team who are growing in the ranks, right? And it's all about becoming a strategic partner for your, the business that you support. Mm-hmm. Operations teams can often fall into the trap of just executing on the orders of someone else. And the best ops teams and the best ops leaders are the ones that forge that partnership with the business, come with strategic recommendations, take that data to insights. Um, I encourage everyone on my team, you know, even when they're sharing a report, to go beyond the report and, and what is this so what? Why should, why should I look at this? Why should I care? And so um, I think using the information and really becoming a strategic partner, number one, understanding the business and the goals of the business and making sure you're driving an integrated plan so that you have this goal and you're all working collectively towards it. I think ops plays a big role in, in setting the right plan for the, for the organization. And then ruthless prioritization. We can't do 10 things. Um, let's focus on the three most meaningful things Again, in co- in conjunction, there's like a three-legged stool, I feel. There's the business, there's ops, and there's analytics. And if those three teams are working in harmony, um, I think that it's really effective for a business. So prioritizing the right initiatives and making sure that there's a cadence, an operating rhythm that, again, ops can own and, and keep things on track. I think that's great advice. I am a true believer in ruthless prioritization as well. If everything's important, nothing is. Yeah. But Simon, I want to thank you for your time today. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope you have a great rest of your Dreamforce. Thank you for listening to Rise of RevOps. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you're listening. This podcast was created by the team at Qualified. The Pipeline Cloud is the modern way. B2B revenue teams generate pipeline. Learn more at qualified.com.